This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I cannot tell you how absolutely honored I am to have this privilege to introduce one of my sheroes. When I was a faculty member, I had the privilege of teaching young students about the civil rights movement. Um, We taught a formal class, and then we took our students on uh, a tour of sorts of some of the major scenes and sites of the struggle. We had the opportunity to meet before they left this earth Rosa Parks, Coretta Scott King. We also met um, um, Diane Nash um, and also Julian Bond. And we taught about the strategies of great civil rights leaders like Mrs. Murley Evers-Williams. At lunch today, Mrs. Evers-Williams said that she's at the point in her life where she's ready to pass the torch to a new generation. And the best she can hope for is that she planted a seed. And I want to say to you tonight, Mrs. Evers-Williams, that you planted many seeds that took root. And I stand here today because of you. Thank you. Your risk Your sacrifice is my reward, and my greatest aspiration is to make you proud. While we've made progress as a nation, there's still much work to be done, and we gladly accept the torch that you pass. Merle Louise Beasley was born on March 17, 1933, in Vicksburg, Mississippi. She was raised by her grandmother, a schoolteacher who encouraged her love of learning and music, She attended Alcorn A&M College, now Alcorn State University, where she met her future husband, Medgar Evers. She became involved with the National Association of the Advancement of Color People, more commonly known as the NAACP, when her husband became the Mississippi Field Secretary for the group. Side by side, they worked to end racial segregation in public facilities and to ensure the voting rights of African Americans were not violated. There were people who were vehemently opposed to these changes, and on June 12, 1963, Murley's husband, Medgar, was killed in front of his home by a known white supremacist named Byron de la Beckwith. After two failed attempts by all white juries to convict de la Beckwith of this murder, Murley Evers and her family finally prevailed after a multicultural jury found him guilty of the crime in 1994. While pursuing justice for her slain husband, Mrs. Evers became a civil rights leader in her own right and continued to be involved with the NAACP. She and her three children moved to Claremont, California, where she attended Pomona College and earned her BS in sociology in 1968. She worked at Pomona College for a few years and then moved to New York to take a vice president position with the advertising firm of Siegelman and Lotz. She later joined Atlantic Richfield as Director of Community Affairs. During this time, Walter Williams, a man she had met while at Claremont College, would become her husband. She continued to expand her leadership as a Tom Bradley appointee to the L.A. Public Board of Works and within the NAACP. She was elected to chair the NAACP in 1995 and immediately began to address internal issues with leadership and finances. Under her leadership, the NAACP was able to regain its place as a premier civil rights organization in this country. She left the NAACP in 1998 to pursue other projects, including the establishment of the Medgar and Murley Evers Institute on the campus of Alcorn State University. 
The Institute, where she serves as chair, has the mission of championing civil rights with a focus on history, education, and reconciliation, especially among young people. And now I present our speaker for the evening, Mrs. Murley Evers-Williams. Please join me in welcoming her to the stage. Good evening, and thank all of you so very much. Every time I hear someone speak of uh, those things that, have, that I have actually been blessed to do and be involved in, I find myself a little bit amazed. Amazed because I was born and grew up in a time when women really were not supposed to achieve much of anything other than motherhood. And I think back of all of the things that have happened to me and for me, and I find that I'm simply blessed blessed to have been part of this country and a time where we would often like to forget what happened. The resurrection of honesty, faith, belief in mankind, and how we have moved forward to today. I have had a marvelous experience on this campus today. It's been a very busy one, but I have seen so much. I have learned so much and I have been embraced by so many people. And that is a wonderful feeling but you go back and you think, what can I say that will motivate people, particularly our young people, to be active, to be more active in today's society, in shaping it in terms of the way we would want it to be? Now, I make an assumption that we all want freedom that we all want justice, that we all want equality. But I'm also a realist, and I realize not everyone wants those same things. So where are we today? In the greatest society in the world, the one that supposedly represents freedom for all, we reflect back and see that we are still dealing with the ills of prejudice and racism. And to some, it comes as a shock 
that we would indeed at this day and time still be talking about injustices in the United States of America. But my friends, that's exactly where it is. Not only are we talking about it, but we are admitting that there are steps backward instead of forward. I have had a most interesting and invigorating day on this campus. Opportunity to meet with students, to listen to them when I wasn't talking too much, to see how they thought about where we are today, not only on this campus, not only in this state, but in this nation. And the question has come up time and time again, or the question did come up time and time again, about the subject tonight, about Selma. I found it a little difficult to answer some of the questions, because to me, Selma is still here. It's still a part of America, the American dream, and things that have not gone exactly as we wished. So perhaps I'll start off reminiscing about Selma. You hear just a little bit about my life, and it has been one filled with hope, with dreams, anger, bitterness, the need and the want for revenge, and the realization that those negatives have no place in my life and hopefully in the lives of others, nor in building this American dream. But let me take you back a couple of weeks to the Selma March. After it was over, I had friends call and they said to me, where were you? We didn't see you on television. Why weren't you there? And I said, you know, if I had been there, my purpose would not have been to be on television. Because I saw too many of you pushing shoving, high-fiving, and all of those other things for attention in front of the cameras. It's not about that. It was to bring people together to remember why Selma and why the celebration of that bridge. Some smiled, others looked at me and just shook their head like, you're hopeless. Hmm? But that's okay because I meant that. And I said, it's not about show. It's not about show of an individual. It is show, hopefully, of a nation who is coming to grips, not who has come to grips, but who's coming to grips that we still are dealing with prejudice and racism within this country and that all has not changed that we would like to see changed. And I had some exciting moments with students on this campus, listening to them talk about what they thought, about what they hoped, and of building dreams. 
and the willingness to work for those dreams that include each and every one of us. So Selma was wonderful. The march was fantastic. The cameras caught, I believe, every detail that needs to be a part of that story of Selma Revisited. There are the discussions about changing the name of the bridge. Let it remain Selma. That is my feeling. Because the name stands for something. It stands for justice. It stands for equality. It stands for the willingness of people young and old, rich and poor, who believe in America and who were determined to put their bodies on the line to make that statement, not only here in this country, but abroad as well. So for me, Selma stands. And as an older American, you know, we get stubborn as we get older, I don't think I'm going to change. To me, it's Selma, and it means struggle. And it also means hope, and it means peace. So from all of those things, may we as citizens of this country make a determination to do renewed dedication to do what we need to do, to be participants in helping to shape this democracy. I think about today those of us who fought, who bled, who were bitten by dogs, who were washed down by water hoses, who were kicked who were arrested all because they wanted the opportunity to be able to register and to vote. We must not forget those times. Not in anger, not in hatred, but as a motivating force to see that we in America continue to move forward because we look at legislators across this country who are determined in some way or the other to turn the clock backward. And I ask you, do you plan to be a part of a forward movement of justice and equality for all? Or will you sit silently by and say, that's happened once, we don't need to go there again? Or what? I think it's time for us to look at our individual selves, who we are, where we are, and what we want for America. So Selma, the reunion was wonderful. What happens after that? Those who were in attendance, where do they go? What do they do? What do they say? What role do they play in helping to make uh, this country an even stronger democracy than what it is now? And basically, it's left up to us. It's left up to us to say that I still have a role to play 
in building this strong democracy, and I am going to do it. The movie Selma was premiered in and near the home of Oprah Winfrey. She invited any number of those of us who had been involved in the movement. She said, come. I want to preview this movie. It is a part of my heart. I hope it will become a part of America's heart, too, to learn about that particular time. And I remember how graciously she greeted those that she had invited to that premiere. We embraced each other, and I said to her, it's a long way from Mississippi. If you didn't know it, she's a Mississippian too. And she embraced me and she said, and I thank God every day that I'm not back there and I can do this. There was much singing, embracing. All of we old veterans who had been on the war path with injustice. I believe each one of us with a walking cane, gray hair, eyeglasses, a little bit of stumbling, and almost every one of us with tears streaming down our faces. And we said we've made it thus far. What a price, but we are still here. And we are still providing for our young people of all races, creeds, and colors the story of the movement and those who sacrificed to get us to this point. Tears flowed, and I must tell you, during a part of that gathering, a few of us looked over in a direction, and there were the children, our children of the movement, adults, grown with their own children. And we said, yes, it's all right. It's going to be all right because we are continually growing and we are continuously dedicated. I am very sorry that Selma was not acknowledged as I personally felt it should have been at the Academy Awards. But that's okay, in a way, because Selma made it into the hearts and minds of so many people who didn't know, who didn't care, who didn't want to discuss, and now there are discussions about it. What about Selma? What about those who played such an important role in it then and before that time? And before Selma, 
there was a civil rights movement, my friends. We may think that it wasn't, but it was. And that was when people gave of themselves. When people would go to register and vote and would be turned away because of the color of the skin, where they would be asked to interpret a section of the Constitution to the liking of a clerk who might have had a fifth grade education and the person willing to take the brutality of the questions had a PhD and didn't pass. It was a time when if you chose to register and vote, and I remember the little ladies who would put on their Sunday best, their little hats, and they would go down to register. Some with canes, others with their hats and their purses, and you could see the determination in their faces that today is going to be the day. And they would get there and they would be told to interpret a section of the Constitution of that particular state. And even though they may have been as accurate as anyone could, they were turned down because they did not meet the qualifications of the person who was giving that test, who might have had only a fifth grade education. You may say, why is she going back into all of those things? I'm being selfish tonight because it's something that I need to do and I need to remind myself of, and I'm hopeful that the younger generation here will listen and be able to pull in a certain grace about citizenship and realize that it is not free. Someone said to me, how can you be so nice? I smile. And I said, it's easy. But what they don't know is that there is a fire that burns within my heart, within my mind. As I think about all of the people who gave so much to freedom, as I think about my husband who was shot down at our door, and our three children ran out to see their father dying. I think of the young people and the elderly who protested and were thrown behind guarded places with barbed wire and how the police would bring in big tubs of food and water and stand there and spit in those containers and say, this is for you. I cannot blot that for my memory. I think of the children 
who were lassoed and drugged through the streets because their parents were afraid to protest. They took it upon themselves to do it. And many of them had scars for life. I can also go forward and think of the times when people of different skin colors came together and said, this is America, and we cannot have America tainted by those things any longer and coming together. I have lived a blessed life, a very full one, full of anger, full of bitterness, full of determination to see that wrongs are righted, full of hope for the future, and oftentimes despair and crying out with tears streaming down my face and joining hands with others who are doing the same thing when we ask. When will things change for the better? The young people that I had an opportunity to meet today were full of promise. They did not come to me or come in that meeting with recommendations of what they could do and how things could be changed, but you could see the hope in their faces and in their eyes. And they spoke in that way, it said, count me in. But they also wanted to know, what do I do? Someone show me. Someone guide me. Someone help me. And then I had to look back at myself and say, girlfriend, you're tired. You're weary. You have served what about it? Interestingly enough, something raised up within and said, not yet. You are not through yet. And I say to all of you, you are not through either. As long as America has the challenge of prejudice and racism in this country that is supposed to be a place free for all of us to do and be the best that we can do, we have a challenge, my friends. And I ask you as you sit in this audience, please ask yourself the question, am I doing my part to make not only this institution, not only this state, but all of America be what it can be because we know it can happen. One person won't make the change. Two people won't make the change. But a group bonded together in the determination of love and justice can make and keep the movement going 
where America does not have to say to any country on this planet that we fall behind. in raising humanity to a level that it should be. I don't know about you, but I find myself being very concerned about what's happening in this world today. I've had a couple of young people say to me, you worry too much. You are all the old time. We don't do things that way anymore. When I say, tell me, tell me more. Tell me what you do. Tell me what you see. What are your plans to move humanity forward? And very seldom do I get an answer. It's a shrug of the shoulders. Well, I don't know, but, you know, it'll happen sometime. It will happen sometime, but it will not happen without our being there to see that it does. There was a time in my life when I fed on hatred because I needed that to be able to survive only to find that hatred is a detrimental element in anyone's life for any reason. So you try to lift yourself up above that. And it's not always easy to do. But as someone said to me, and they were quoting or attempting to quote Maya Angelou, I want to dance the dance of freedom. And she showed us how. There were others who said, I want to wave the flag of freedom. And they did so. And there were others who said, what is freedom? It's freedom for me and me alone. Not for you of different colors, of different nationalities, of what not, but this is my America. And I think about the Fannie Lou Hamers. Fannie Lou who said time and time again, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to see some changes. I want to do something. And she moved on to challenge the Democratic Party and changed it forever and a day to become more American than what it was. I think of Medgar Evers who said a couple of nights before he was killed, I love my wife and I love my children and I love my country and I will do whatever is necessary to see that they are free. And I can go on and on with other quotes, but my friends, it really gets down to each one of us and what we are willing to do. You're sitting here. I'm afraid to ask if you're willing to do anything. I'm afraid to ask for a show of hands because I may not get any. I'm afraid to say, step up and say that you will because no one may come. 
so be it. If that is the case, then whatever we have in American society, we deserve to have whatever it is. No complaints. Take it with a grain of salt. But never be able to say, oh yes, I cared. But I had better things to do. I don't wish to sound as a voice of doom to you. But it's been difficult to live a life where so much has been given. And apparently, those on the receiving end have kind of taken it for granted. Our young people need to know the history of the movement. They need to know the history before Selma. They need to know the names before Dr. Martin Luther King, James Meredith, Medgar Evers, Jesse Jackson, so many others. They need to be able to connect with those stories, with those histories. They need to be challenged in terms of not only what do you think about those people, but what do you think about yourself and what do you think you can do? How can you influence your friends? Or do you want to influence your friends? Are you satisfied with things as they are? I bet we would be surprised at some of the answers that we would get, particularly if those answers are honest. So living in a time of despair, living in a time of challenge, I ask the question, where are we now? I am still involved in my native state of Mississippi, particularly as we work to build a civil rights museum there, of which some years ago people said, no, never. We don't need that. We won't have it. We won't find the money. Well, guess what? Years later, we're on our way to that. But when ground was broken, and the dedication made for those buildings to be erected. I sat on that platform with former governors, former lieutenant governors, and other officials all smiling and shaking hands and, my golly, we've come this far and look what we're going to do. I don't believe in putting a damper on a good party, but it became necessary to remind them that just below, a few feet below where the ground was being turned over, was where young people and old, those two generations, not those in the middle, were thrown behind barbed wire fences and that water and food was delivered to them in tin tubs. And the policemen would put those tubs down and they would spit 
in them and say, this is for you. I was told by some, I should not have said that, that it was a day of celebration. There was no need to go back into the past. And I simply thanked them for their opinions. And I said, but I was there. I know what happened. And we must not forget. Build. But build on the strength of those that gave. Build on the strength that those who were willing. Build on the strength of those who sacrificed. And perhaps in doing so, we will not forget, but we can clean the grounds thereof. Because there are too many people, young, old, and in between, who need to know that history. I have to smile sometimes when people say, you know, you're still a troublemaker. Am I really? Yes, you are. I'm so delighted that I still am a troublemaker. Because someone has to raise these issues. Someone has to say, you may think it's fine. You may think all is well. But it is not. Not to be negative. Not to go into a depression. But to be honest and say, let's build and build on the truth. So Selma got us to a place where young people who knew nothing about the movement had a chance to at least learn something about it. Hopefully to be instilled to look deeper into that particular movement and time. To look at the industry as it is today and realize that something must have been wrong when Selma wasn't recognized at all? You're a wonderful audience, but don't you wonder that maybe there was a little something crooked there? That hearts did not come alive? That there was no fire burning and asking questions? Have we become so complacent that we don't ask questions anymore? That we don't demand answers anymore? I trust not. And we go back to that day with Oprah. And all of we older ones were there crying embracing each other, turned around and looked, and there were our children with their children together talking about what was, what they went through as little ones and that they had survived and that they are now reaching out and bringing their own children up in the spirit of freedom, in the spirit of justice. They were there and brought more tears 
because we knew that there is a great future that's still there for each and every one of us. And I hope for each of you in this audience, there will be a wee bit of uncomfortableness as you sit and as you think and as you ask yourselves what have I done to make things better in this United States of America my heart was broken and it has taken years with a good front to get through everything that has happened But there's a reason for everything, I believe. And those who went before us had a mission. And they gave to that mission. And it lifted us to the level where we are today. You have an absolutely marvelous institution of higher learning. And I looked at all of the young people walking through the different areas and I said, there goes a spectacular brain. And I said and thought that about each and every one that I saw. And I wondered, what will those magnificent brains do? Not just for themselves, but for society as a whole. The fight never ends, my friends, but it doesn't have to be vicious. It doesn't have to be nasty. But I would hope it would be a clean flight, one where all of us could engage in the knowledge of the history of the civil rights movement, Compassion for those who worked to take it forward. Insight into those who are still laboring in the field and for a young generation to move us all forward. And someone said to me, you foolish woman because you are hanging on to things that are long gone. And I answered, you are more foolish than I thought you were because it is with this hope. It is with this dream. It is with remembering those people who gave so much to this country it is being aware of the Fergusons. It is being aware of our young men, particularly our young black men, who have been assaulted. It is being aware of police departments that are not fair, 
It's being aware of those who come in and grab their places before the cameras and then leave and leave nothing behind but frustration. It's looking at the world as a whole and seeing where we are today and all asking not about what today is but what tomorrow can and will be. I think of a woman whose portrait was made as she stood next to her husband as he was greeting dignitaries and she had the sour look on her face. Mm-hmm. You saw one dignitary after another pass her by, ignore her. One or two stopped and acknowledged her. And I wondered to myself, if it was anyone other than Michelle Obama, what would the reaction have been? So I reacted to that, and I said to myself, hold on, Michelle. Hold on. Be strong. Be brave. Put a smile on your face. Don't let them know that they got to you, my dear, because that's all that's necessary. This world, my friends, we're in a frenzy. Who's in control? What must we do? Every time you turn on the news channel, there's something, something that is sad, something that is degrading. My question to you is how do we turn this around? And I've said to others, there have been times when I too wanted to go out and purchase a black hoodie put it on and walk through certain neighborhoods in the dark of night and see what would happen as a challenge to say, here I am. I might be getting older, but what are you going to do about it? I'm here. I'm here to stay, and I'm here to work for freedom and justice for all because that is what I believe in. It is not time to give up, my friends, in terms of who we are as a nation. Those things that we embrace, something exists, such as freedom and justice for all, that we believe in it, and that we are willing to take the challenge to see that it forever remains the truth. In this America, our beloved home, I thank you.
What a wonderful address. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Thurgood Marshall College at the University of California, San Diego, every couple of years bestows the Thurgood Marshall Medal to a leader in our country that helped contribute to society, social justice, and hopefully a better world. Our college is delighted and honored to give this award to you, Mrs. Everett Williams. And let me read the award to you. In um, tribute to your career advancing civil rights, your work as a chairwoman of the NAACP, and your many published books on social justice, April 9, 2015. We thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.